New ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. My guest today is Alyssa Gelbard. She is the founder and CEO of Point Road Group, a unique branding firm that helps companies make better brand impressions through their people. She's a personal branding expert leading a talented team that advises diverse companies, executives, and board directors to drive business success. She's joining me today for the second in a series of four interviews related to job searches and career management. Today, we're looking at the biggest mistakes she's seen people make. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here with you again, Gabriella. Today is going to be fun because today yes. you're going to spill the tea about some of the biggest real life mistakes that you've seen people make. In our last conversation, we talked about networking and how to do it right. Are there ways to do it wrong? Oh, yes, there are. And, <laughs> what would and, you would say would be the three worst mistakes you've seen related to networking? Well, I would say just preface it by saying that networking is about building a relationship and it is not a transaction. So let's just, let's just level set there. So I think, so relating to that, when you think about what's a mistake that people make is when they just go right in for an ask, when they meet Mm -hmm. somebody and whether that's you're meeting someone on the phone, on zoom, in person, or you're just kind of going right in there. But I think two other things that I think are really, really important that, I mean, I can't tell you how often I see this and it blows my mind because I feel like we were all raised right, but not saying thank you, but it's not even about the thank you. It's about acknowledging when someone makes an introduction. So if someone's taking the time, they're thinking about you and that it might be a business opportunity, a speaking, a job opportunity, or maybe just an introduction to someone they think is really great for you to meet. You you want to acknowledge the email introduction, or maybe it's a message on LinkedIn or something like that. But I feel like we were all raised to say please and thank you. Mm. So I think saying thank you, it really goes a long way, but it's not even just about that. It's acknowledging that it went through because what if I don't know, let's say I introduced you to somebody else. I mean, I'm, I, I really see this all the time. I don't know if you got it. You know, this is, isn't this the, the whole issue around thank yous and thank you notes? I mean, very old school, but mm-hmm. otherwise you don't know if the package arrived. And it, it's essentially right. that in a digital sense, simply letting you know that it landed. And, yeah. and, I, and it's a way to do that where you're also acknowledging that somebody thought of you. Whether or not right. it's it's a great opportunity, that's another thing. But exactly. Uh, but there's also the second part of it too. I'm introducing you to somebody else, and you say thank you. What about the someone else? You you then email the acknowledgement. I don't know if they got it. Just the two seconds is really really helpful to know that because otherwise, if you're ignoring it, then maybe I'm hesitate the next time something comes to mind for you. So if we think about circling back to sort of the top question, the first one is it's not a transaction. The second one, say thank you, not only because it's nice, but because it lets people know things landed. And that goes for everybody involved in the transaction of the connection of the network. Is there a third sort of rule, bedrock rule? I don't know about bedrock rule, but just something that just came, that comes to mind, which is, and it's kind of ties back to it's building a relationship So networking isn't just about 
reaching out to someone new, right? Or meeting someone new. It's also about maintain, cultivating and maintaining relationships with people you already know. So let's say there's somebody who you know pretty well, but you haven't been in touch with in a long time. Maybe it's somebody you used to work with really closely for right. a while at some agency a while back. And now you've gone off and done your own separate things and you just sort of grown apart. You don't want to be reaching out for an ask with somebody like that, but you want to check in, say hi, catch up, see how someone is versus just saying, oh, because maybe you saw on LinkedIn that they worked somewhere else and you were looking for an introduction for whatever reason. Right. Uh, so it's it's about building that relationship. It ties back to the transaction, but also cultivating, staying in touch, I guess. So I guess this was, I was answering the question, I guess, in two ways. So this is a 3A and 3B, but <laughs> I think 3B is don't, you got to stay in touch with people. It's not, so somebody I know, it's so funny. He said this, this goes back to the days of before virtual networking, right. but it's not about collecting business cards. So it's not just about how many people can I meet and get an introduction to and connect with on LinkedIn, but how can I stay in touch with people and build a relationship with them. And not everybody gets the same amount, but stay in touch with people, build those relationships. Right. And keep it up. There's a point to, yeah. to doing this care and feeding. So let's back up a little bit. So we have networking. It is going on all the time, people. You should be doing this all the time. So so that when you come to an active job search, you're not rubbing your hands together and trying to figure out where to start. But now in the job search, LinkedIn looms large pretty important. Uh, so let's talk about things that people do wrong with regard to their profile. First of all, can we talk about job titles? Should you ever put ninja in your job? Title? Oh my God. No ninja, no guru, no like majestic something or other, or I work magic with so with whatever I've seen that, those kinds of things. Absolutely not. No one's looking for that. So first of all, <laughs> you mean I'm not typing in magic. Nobody's looking for a magician. So unless they're really looking for a magician to have at a party, this is right. Not, unless and that's what you are, do. they're probably not on LinkedIn. But well, you never exactly. know. I suppose they could be. Uh, right. So so no hyperbole. That no no hyperbole. I mean, descriptions are good. It doesn't always have to be your title. Title can be okay, but title is not enough. That you really. Well, I was curious about that. You let's say if you are currently employed, should it be your current job title, or should you describe yourself? I mean, I think it could be a common. It, it, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the cop out answer and say it depends because okay. it really and truly depends on what your job is. But you want to give it. You know, a title isn't enough. You have 120 characters to say something there. So say something else besides your title. You're not giving enough information, especially let's say you have a generic title, mm -hmm. vice president. Great. Or well, banks have so many of those. <laughs> right. Well, vice president is actually kind of a pretty junior title at banks. But let's say even if it was at Point Row Group, you don't know what Point Row Group is, even if I put the company name. So right. if I was vice president of Point Row Group, you have zero information about me. And I have to tell you, this is something we see across the board, every level, every every functional area, every industry. It is consistently one of the biggest mistakes we see people make. You're missing an opportunity to make an impression. Maybe you have industry expertise, or maybe there's something within your functional area, area of expertise that you have. Mm -hmm. You can include it there. And it's... It, when you when you appear in let's say people you may know or if you interact with content let's say you like something and people are looking at who like to post those those people just see your headshot and your headline 
And although the headline can be truncated a little bit, but that's your opportunity for someone to see who you are, but you're missing an opportunity by just putting something generic. Well, I think what's interesting there is you did make a point about truncation. So front load it, think about how people write headlines. The other thing I was curious about is some people in that summary section write a lot and some people Mm -hmm. write a paragraph. What, What would be a guidance? I mean, should you use up all those characters or should you maybe pare it back, be a little yeah, Hemingway would, in your, in your yeah, you don't, you do definitely do not need, and I don't think you should take full advantage because then it's so long. No one's going to read that much. And remember too, people look at profiles on their phones. They're constantly looking there. So there's a heck of a lot of scrolling going on if right. you take up that whole page or that, excuse me, that whole section. Mm. So you also don't want to be too brief because then if you're too brief, then you're not, you're missing, again, you're missing an opportunity to tell somebody about yourself. Any words, what would you say is a good mm. sweet spot? I, I don't I don't know a word limit. It depends on also what you want to communicate. If you are looking, maybe you're looking for a job, maybe you want to put in a little bit more detail, or maybe you're driving business and you want some extra detail in there. I would not lead if you're looking for a job saying you're looking for a job. I'm also not a fan of people who are, if they are in sales or business development, where their whole summary is just a sales pitch, because then it's not about them. You have to, what, what I think people sometimes lose sight of is your profile is your profile. It's it your not, profile. Yes. It's not your company's profile. Yes. Right. I think that now that's important. you want to have that, that balance there and accurately describe your company and your role, et cetera. But, but it shouldn't be all about what you could do for somebody else from a sales perspective when you're right. selling. Right. Right. Well, last piece on on just purely LinkedIn. Are there any wrong things to do with regard to being active on the platform? Are there any no-go areas or items? Well, I think just just peppering people with connection requests without personalizing. Okay. I'm a big fan of personalizing because otherwise I don't know why someone's reaching out. Are they trying to sell me something? Are they wanting to connect because they want access to my network? to right. then reach out to them. I don't know. So I think that's that's the easiest. And mm-hmm. then someone can understand why. And also not using some kind of, if you are going to personalize it, something generic like, I see we know some people in common. I see you're in the marketing industry. So am I. Well, great. <laughs> but right. think well, yeah, I think doing a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. So let's say you're actively looking for a job. You've swanned through the LinkedIn piece. You've got that right. You land a phone screen early in the process. There are often phone screens. Are there any no-nos during a phone screen? Yeah, definitely. Phone screen is often by someone in HR. We used to say a phone screen was, I just want to make sure you're not an axe murderer. To see someone's basic personalities, are they showing up on time, and to learn a little bit about them and see how they interact and communicate. And when phone screens are almost always conducted by someone in HR, so they don't know the intricate details of the job. So during a phone screen, you don't want to ask detailed, detailed questions about the opportunity because it's very, very likely that that person is not going to know. And that's not the purpose of the phone screen. I also think there are other things that you don't want to be asking right up front. Hey, maybe you know, when when will I be promoted? What are what's the salary and benefits? And where you're just going right in to mm. a lot of the details when that's not the purpose. You're um, dating at this point. It's early in the relationship. Yeah, it's a first date. <laughs> right. I want to get okay. to know you a little. You're going to get to know me a little bit. 
Right. Okay. Well, let's say you've made it past the phone screen and now you're having a conversation frequently over Zoom these days. Any things to be aware of, mistakes or turnoffs, especially I want to really think in a Zoom context. Sure. Sure. Well, actually there are a lot. And, and this really surprises me and my colleagues. We've been doing, people were doing video before the pandemic. It's now become the norm. We kind there's a lot of mistakes that people make where you should know better by now. Like mm-hmm. enough that people have become really lax where they are not paying attention to what's behind them. That happens to be one of my biggest pet peeves is what's behind you? What's the background? What are people seeing? Because when you, I, I always say, when you turn on a video, when you turn on your screen, when you log on, it's like walking into a room. It's your first impression. So what are people seeing behind you when they see you, when they all of a sudden your face appears and you appear, what are they seeing behind you? And paying attention to that, it literally takes a minute maybe to check it out before and to close a closet door or move something out of the way or turn on a light, turn off a light. It's not a lot of effort for a a bigger impact. What Um, do you feel about the blurring out of the background? Do you I think that's okay. Okay. I, I don't have a problem with it as long as you have a really strong connection, internet connection, because otherwise you look, it, it looks, it, you'll look pixelated. It looks right. strange. It certainly made a lot of improvements you know, over the last couple of years. All the platforms have, but you really need a strong connection, I think, for that to happen and making sure that your whatever video platform that you're using is also up to date and current. Also definitely make sure that if it's Zoom, check your Zoom and make, even though they say they do auto updates these days, they don't half the time still, at least I find that. So mm-hmm. always check before a video meeting. I will always make sure that that it's updated. Another thing I think that people have gotten really casual about is, yeah, okay, so if we're working from home or at some point, full-time, whatever it is, we get interrupted by kids, pets, all kinds of people, but forgetting to mute. So when you're talking to someone, other people can hear you and how you and yelling can actually, especially if someone has earbuds in, can be really that can mm-hmm. come across pretty loudly. So I think people have gotten like, oh yeah, whatever. I'm just not going to mute. And I think that can that can have an impact too. I always think about it. It's impressions that you make and all the little things that you can do just to make it a little bit, you know, just a little bit better. Well, let's also talk a little bit about clothing. Now, while I was interviewing Mary Lee Bliss, the chief content officer at Y-Pulse, who really focuses on youth trends and behaviors, we were talking about clothes and how young consumers are into being comfortable. Any do's and don'ts about clothes? Yeah, a little too comfortable. You okay. want to, whatever you want to wear, waist down, have at it. But when you are on Zoom, you're being interviewed for a job. You've got to show, you've got to bring your A game. I always think, would you show up like that in person for that interview, dress like that? Mm-hmm. It doesn't take a lot to make a great impression that way. If you're wearing a t-shirt, and you just really want to be, throw a blazer on, throw a sweater on, make up just that one step up. You're trying to, you're trying to impress, not uh, just being really cool, being casual, being myself. I just want to be myself. And if they don't like that, forget it. But you are interviewing for a job and you don't know also maybe how, what their dress codes are when you're client facing. Right. Maybe in the office, you can wear jeans and a T-shirt. Who cares? When I say in the office, maybe that's physically in an office or virtually. But what about when you're client facing? So I always say dress to that when you're interviewing, dress to that highest level. That doesn't mean, let's say for a guy, you got to wear a suit and tie unless you know that that is their dress code. 
Right, right. Well, how about you mentioned earlier how you're not asking about salary and benefits during that first phone screen. When do you start that conversation? And the other piece is if people ask you, well, how much are you expecting? What's the best way to answer that question? Oh, that's always such a dance. That's always such a dance. You have to know your number, your low and your high. And what is your number that you're willing to walk away from? Then you got to do your homework. This is, I think, is something really important. Understanding how the company pays. What are they traditionally known for? Are their salaries mid-range, high-end? So talking to people, if you know people or if you can get some insight from somebody else, just so you have an idea of what you're starting from. Because mm-hmm. if if you're asking you know, for, I'm just going to make up a number, let's say just for a nice round number, let's say you're asking for 120 for a role when traditionally they pay between 70 and 90, then you're going in too high. So getting some good understanding. Also, if it's a specific, maybe it's based on a geography that has an impact on, on salary range. Where is the company located? Have they become virtual? Some companies have changed their, their compensation structure because they're virtual. So I, I think you have to do, you got to do your homework before you have the salary conversation, but you do have to, you do have salary conversations. That's not something that you just shy away from forever. And they Often, ask the question, how much you're expecting? Is there a counter so that you don't have to negotiate with yourself so that you don't have to make that first statement? So you want to look at, you could, you, first of all, I think you could say a compensation package versus salary which will Mm. give you a little bit of wiggle room and understanding and also understanding what their benefits are. You might be able to get that beforehand. So you can kind of do the little back of the envelope calculation, but to get kind of an overall picture. So you want to also give yourself some wiggle room because you may have to come down or or you may not, but always, I I think you, you don't want to go in. If you, if you are talking about an actual number, you don't want to go in with your, your bare minimum. You want to start higher so you can come down because maybe you have to come down in salary in the actual salary, but maybe there's other benefits that you should also, you should also do your homework well before then other benefits that you can ask for. Maybe you can negotiate for an extra week's vacation or or more than extra weeks. So there's a lot of things that you can negotiate for that now these days that you want to have that kind of list of, mm. of what those things are. And again, doing a little homework, knowing a little bit about the company can be helpful. And sometimes it's not just people who are current employees or former employees. Maybe there's somebody, maybe there's a vendor that works really closely with them. Who knows somebody there? So sometimes if you can't draw a direct line to someone, you know, think a little bit outside the box. Do I know somebody that knows somebody there? Right. Who can give you the right because it's every negotiation going in armed with as much information as possible is help is really helpful. And when it comes to negotiation, it's that it's a negotiation. It's a conversation. You don't want to think about it as adversarial. You you well, want no, because there. you want it to you want it to land somewhere nice, and so exactly. you want them to feel okay about how the conversation proceeds, and and that exactly. you keep in mind. Well, we've talked a bit generally, top line, senior level folks. Are there any mistakes that people might make that might not impact them getting the particular job, but might hurt them in other ways that they might not be aware of, and they should be? So here here's a crazy story. So I meet a gentleman networking. 
and he's looking for a job. And we were introduced because he was looking for a job. And he had really interesting and very specific background. Mm-hmm. Cut to, I'm talking to now a couple of weeks later, the CEO of a company who says, hey, I'm recruiting for this specific position. And do you know anybody? And I said, actually, I do. And I made the introduction and this gentleman interviewed and PS got the job. And I heard from the, because it was such a, it was such a specific experience. The CEO told me that he was a finalist and was being approved by the board. And then he also told me that he got the job. And the person who I made the intro to never said anything to me. Never to you at all? No. Can you? I was so shocked and I was going to let it go. And then I couldn't. And I reached (sighs) out to him and I said, hey, congratulations. Heard the great news that you got this opportunity. And he said, yeah, thanks. And maybe some kind of reference to maybe I'll buy a beer one time. And I was like, wait, what? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, so I, so here's a question though. So so obviously should have told you. Is there when somebody does make a referral, a friendly referral, a connection like that, is there an any greater quid pro quo expectation? Is there a, a monetary expectation or is it none at all? At least for me, not at all. I'm okay. always happy. I love connecting people, mm-hmm. but he got a really well paying C suite role and didn't think to tell me to to keep me in the loop. Meanwhile, the CEO, ultimately, he took me out for dinner a handful of months later to thank me, which wasn't necessary at all. But well, it's interesting, though, that the person who really landed the job didn't do that. Yeah, some sort of official thank you. Now, downstream, then, I imagine that might impact how you feel about him going forward. 100%, because your jobs are never permanent, right? So if he's ever looking for another opportunity or a board seat or even, even importantly, Let's say he's looking to staff up or change staff. I, I happen to know a lot of people in this functional area. I, I, I don't want to introduce people to work for somebody like that. Right, because it says so much about just larger character, appreciation, thankfulness. It, it speaks to your your character and your yeah. culture. That's interesting. What about in-house recruiters? Are there any ways that they should be cleaning up their acts? I mean, we've, yeah, just, one, we've dinged all the simple, job hunters. <laughs> yeah, two simple words, response time. It's, it's, un, I, this is something we hear all the time where someone will reach out from recruiting from a company, contact a potential candidate, and the candidate will respond and then they won't hear back at all. That's it. Or maybe they'll have a phone screen and then same thing. There is so much ghosting out there or, or just really delayed response time. And I'm not putting a thousand percent blame on them, but I'm putting close to it because they are often swamped in in in-house recruiters. They're often tasked with filling a lot more job recs than, than they have time for, but that doesn't excuse at all. You can have a standard email that you just quickly send out because we, we think about employer brand in this case and say, look at the impression that you are sending out for your company. Someone is interested in you. You contacted someone who was interested in working for you and then you just didn't respond. What does that say about the brand and the company? Right. And how does that person feel about you? Yeah. Yeah, that's... yeah it's the double whammy. It's you as an individual and you as a company. Right. 
Right. Before we sign off, are there any last I couldn't believe it stories that you want to share? Yeah, I've got two for you. So one is really quick that was shared with me actually very recently by a recruiter is that they were that one of their candidates was being interviewed by a company and the person was eating during the interview and it was a late afternoon interview. And the person said, I didn't have time for lunch. And I actually thought the recruiter was joking when they told me that. I said, they just were, yep, flat out eating a sandwich. Oh, Right? Don't you? Are you physically cringing? Oh, 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 oh! This like note, note to people. This is one of those things you don't do. You don't do this. No more than you bring your sandwich to the in-person interview. Exactly. Wow. Wow. And then the other is not about interviewing, but it was just general networking. So a woman I had met a few times asked me if I knew anybody at a specific company. She was in business development, was looking for an entree into a company. And I happened to know somebody very senior at the company. I said, sure, I'm happy to make an introduction. It was somebody I knew pretty well. And I made a very thoughtful introduction and that was it. Nothing. Two and a half weeks later, the woman responded. Yes, two and a half. Because I remember because I just, I I literally counted the days. She responded saying... Thank you for the introduction. Sorry, I've been late. I've been swamped. And I just, I was so embarrassed. But this was her business. This was to help her. And she asked me. So I was so embarrassed that I actually reached out to the person I made the introduction to. And I apologized. I said, I'm really sorry. Because it made me look bad. Right. Well, and so so maybe note to self, if you ask for something carve out the time to follow up on that ask. Don't ask if you won't have the time to be responsive if an introduction is made. That's right. Thank you so much for spending time. (laughs) Sometimes the stories about what goes wrong help you understand what to do right. So thank you so much. Oh, pleasure. Look forward to speaking to you next time. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.